open your Bibles this morning to John chapter 20. We want to read just one verse this morning. Typically that is not my way. If you heard me preach much, (laughs) I usually take text and preach down verse by verse, but this morning I am going to look at one verse. It doesn't mean we won't connect them to others or I won't connect them to others, but... uh, We want to just look at this morning as a church and uh, to one verse, verse 9. John 20, verse 9. For as yet they knew not the Scriptures that He must rise again from the dead. The they there is referring specifically to Peter and John, more broadly to the apostles, the eleven, and even more broadly to the local church that our Lord Jesus Christ had established while He was on the earth. But just before that verse, in verse 8, the Bible says of John, then went in also that other disciple. And this is John, the author of the Gospel of John. That other disciple which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. And then, for as yet they had not, or they did not, yet they knew not the Scriptures. So, since the Word of God says that they knew not the Scriptures concerning the resurrection, what did John see and believe? Because the Scripture says he believed. The context teaches us that he saw the grave clothes in place and he believed something about the body being missing. He saw the grave clothes in place. The Jews will pay off the Roman soldiers and a lie will be spread in Israel that someone came and stole the body while we were sleeping. Broke the Roman seal, which is a death penalty probably, if it had been Roman soldiers that had done that or somebody come. Breaking the Roman seal, moving the stone by themselves, and then going in and stealing the body. That's the common Um, a word that is around the streets of Jerusalem and in Israel. And yet the Scriptures record that both Peter and John saw the grave clothes of our Lord Jesus Christ neatly folded. That which was around His body folded and at the foot, that which is around His head folded neatly at the head. Now, let me ask you a question. If these would have broken in and stolen the body, would they have taken time to fold up those great clothes and put them neatly in place? John saw something. Someone, the women and Mary Magdalene particularly, someone has taken them away. And he went in to look and he saw something. He saw something that said, nah, somebody didn't take him away, but I don't know what's happening. Because as of yet, they did not know about the resurrection. 
Yeah, someone took him away, but look at those clothes folded neatly. I made mention of that a couple of weeks ago. No, last week. Wanted to come back to it this morning and add one more layer for us to consider. Would Roman soldiers steal the body and leave clothes folded neatly in their place? You know the answer already. But he saw something. He saw that. He believed something. But the Scripture says that as of yet, they, they knew not the Scriptures that He must rise again from the dead. The disciples had at least two separate occasions when they would have been instructed concerning the resurrection. All of these disciples were Jews and from a child they would have been raised in the synagogues. They would have been raised in the synagogues where Moses and the prophets were read and where instruction was given from the Word of God. These particular disciples would have gone to the synagogues with a completed canon of Old Testament Scripture, including the Psalms. And in Psalm 16, they would have heard read many times perhaps, verse 9 and 10, that says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope, for because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. This prophecy set forth nearly and probably more than a thousand years, but at least a thousand years before the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was quoted on the day of Pentecost by Peter while he was preaching. In Acts chapter 2, verse 26 and 27, we read Peter saying, Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. And moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to seek corruption. And then Peter interprets it in verse 31 when he says, speaking of David, he seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ. Thus his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh saw did see corruption. Peter, quoting Psalm 16, 9 and 10, on the day of Pentecost. These men were raised in synagogues. They would have been taught something about a resurrection. Even Job knew that there was going to be a resurrection, that he was going to stand before God one day. But the Scripture says here in John 20 verse 9 that for as yet they knew not the Scriptures that he must rise again from the dead. They had been the second opportunity that they had to learn about the resurrection was from the Lord Jesus Christ. They had been three years plus with the Lord Jesus Christ. They had heard our Lord teach on the subject of His death and His burial and His resurrection over the course of that whole three years. The subject of the resurrection was not one that had been occasionally mentioned or 
mentioned only on one occasion by our Lord, but was repeated over and over again during the whole course of those three years. In the early days of his ministry, as he faced the Jewish um, leaders in John chapter 2, as he enters into his ministry in John chapter 2, verse 19, speaking about the temple, he says, uh, unto them, destroy this temple, and in third three days I will raise it up. And they mocked him because it took 46 years to build the Jewish temple. But the scripture says he spoke of himself being laid in the grave and three, years, three days later would come up out of the grave. That's in the early days of his ministry. Sometime after that, he's walking with his disciples and in Matthew chapter 16, somewhere uh, in the middle or so of his ministry, or actually I think earlier than that, he announced that he would build his own kind of assembly. In Matthew 16 and verse 21, uh, after saying to Peter upon this rock, speaking of himself, I will build my church, he goes on to say that, the uh, scriptures goes on to record that from that time began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and be raised again the third day. Matthew 17, verse 22 and verse 23. Again, he addresses it. Matthew, I'm sorry, yeah, Matthew 17, 22. While they abode in Galilee. Remember after the miracle uh, in, in, in the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem, he fled from persecution and went up to Galilee. While he was there in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceeding sorry. Matthew 20. Now he's left Galilee and come back into Jerusalem. And the Bible says in Matthew 20, verse 17, And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. Matthew 20, 17, now verse 18. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. Verse 19 and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. So from the opening days of his ministry to the closing days of his ministry, for three years plus he has been instructing his disciples that he would die, he would be buried, and after three days he would rise again. And yet, and yet, Despite the Lord's teaching, despite their upbringing as children in the, under the Word of God, and by the way, parents, train your children, teach your children, but sometimes children just simply don't retain things. Sometimes they don't remember. Sometimes they just don't get it. But despite that, despite our Lord teaching them and reminding them, by the way, the best teacher that has ever walked on the face of the earth 
they still do not believe the Scriptures concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They still do not understand. The word here means to grasp or to understand or to see with, with some spiritual intent. They still did not understand. Can you, can you be a Christian? Can you be a preacher? <laughs> and still not understand some things? Well, look before us, brethren. On the very day of the resurrection, they're looking at an empty tomb. And instead of remembering, oh yeah, He said, what? I see it. I believe He's gone, but what's going on? Somebody stole Him, Mary Magdalene said. What makes this statement so much more humbling so much more difficult for a child of God to grasp is that his enemies remembered. At the time when he was gathered before the Sanhedrin and they bought and brought in all these false witnesses, some of the false witnesses said, He said, destroy this temple, I'll raise it up in three days. He said that. Matthew 26, 61. His enemies bought and paid for liars standing in the courtroom. I remember he said that. But after his death, remember that the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, went to Pilate, required of Pilate that the tomb be sealed. What did they say to Pilate? Matthew 27, 63. Speaking to Pilate, they said, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. We remember he said that. And so they sealed up the tomb and put the Roman seals on there so that no one had authority to break the seals but the Romans themselves and God who rules over all government. We remember, he said, he's going to rise in three days. But the, the disciples are not remembering. The disciples are not getting it. You say that is not possible that the lost can remember something that the children of God don't remember. Is that possible? Oh, brethren, it's right here before us. Right here before us. Part of the reason why I say we need to be a little bit more patient with people who don't understand some things. Because they did not remember, because they had not believed, because they didn't know or understand or see the Scriptures. God sent His angels when, to sit on the stone that was there and one was in, uh, at the foot and one was at the head. And there were angels there. And, and so, when the disciples came, the angels said, don't you remember He said? Let me give you the Scripture references. Matthew 28, verse 5 and 6. And the angel answered and said unto the women, these are the first ones to the tomb. These are the first ones in the early morning hour. I preached last week. They came early. 
the, the, the apostles are still somewhere else. But these women, led by Mary Magdalene, and the angels spoke to the women and said, Fear not ye, I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Don't you remember he said that? And then the angel invited him to come and look for themselves that he was not there. Luke chapter 24, another account, uh, another explaining of this account. Luke 24, beginning in verse 6. I'll read verse 6. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake on you when he was yet in Galilee? This is an angel talking to Christians. Don't you remember he told you he was going to rise from the dead? He spoke to you in Galilee saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Drop down to verse 9 if you're there in Matthew 24. And they returned, these women, uh, from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven. That's the apostles. And to the rest. That's the church. And then verse 11 says, And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. The apostles don't believe first-hand witnesses. The whole church don't believe first-hand witnesses. Jesus had said on the third day, I was going to rise again. Someone come and said, it's the third day and He rose again. Can't be true. Can't be true. And we look at him and we say, what? And forget to look at ourselves when we read the plain scripture and say, that can't be true. I just don't want to believe what that says. My mama told me this. My grandma told me this. Preacher said this. My professor said this. That can't be true. Exactly the same place. The same thing. Different subject. Our Lord, after His resurrection, appeared to Mary Magdalene first and sent her to tell the disciples that He had risen. That's recorded in the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 16. Mark 16, beginning in verse 9, we read, Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom He had cast seven devils, and she went and told them that had, that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And Mark 16.11 says, And they, when they heard that, that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. Believed not. So now we have all the women that were with Mary Magdalene going and telling the apostles and the church. Now we have Mary Magdalene who stayed back and God, the Lord Jesus Christ, revealed Himself to her first and she is sent to them with first-hand testimony from Jesus Christ and they still do not believe. After appearing to Mary Magdalene early in the hours of the morning, hours pass and in the Midday, afternoon, the Lord Jesus Christ appears to two of His disciples on the road to Emmaus. 
That's found in Luke 24, if you follow me in the Scriptures. Beginning in verse 13, the Scripture says, And behold, two of them, uh, that is, of those that were disciples and had gathered with the church that morning, went, two of them went that same day uh, to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And so they're traveling on this dirt, dusty road out of Jerusalem, going back to their village. They're talking about the events of the day. They're sad. They're grieved. They're fretting because they thought they understood what Jesus was saying and they didn't understand it. They talked together of all these things which had happened. Verse 15 says, And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus Himself drew near and went with them. Verse 16, But their eyes were holding that they should not know Him. They, their eyes were blinded to who He was. God's work, keeping some of His children from knowing that Jesus Christ was with them. There's a reason for what God does and everything that He does. Their eyes are holding. Drop down to verse 22. And then they say, Yea, and and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. Verse 23, And when they found not His body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that He was alive. So they're telling the story of the events of the day. Drop down to verse 31. Luke 24, 31. And then the Scripture says, and their eyes were opened. That's also a work of God. And they knew Him. And He vanished out of their sight. And when that happened, they turned around. We're not going to Emmaus. We've got to get back to Jerusalem. We've got to get back to the church. And in verse 33, it says, they rose up the same hour, returned to Jerusalem, found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with Him. That's the church. And they said, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. Now two more witnesses are sent to them. And they don't believe them either. They don't believe them either. Finally, after all of the events of this day, the sun is setting in Jerusalem. The apostles and the church are gathered in the upper room. They're afraid of what the Jews are going to do with them after the Jews have crucified their Lord and Savior. And they are gathered, weeping and mourning, the Scripture says, and fearful. And the Scripture says in Mark chapter 16, That he, verse 14, that he appeared to them himself. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him. They believed not the testimony of others. In John's Gospel, later on in John chapter 20, we read these words in verse 19 and 20. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, 
when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when He had so said, He showed them His hands and His side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then. Three years of personal teaching. The testimony of several angels. The testimony of a handful of women. The testimony of Mary Magdalene. The testimony of two other disciples who had been on the road to Emmaus. Then, when they saw Him, they believed. Can Christians be that dense? Please offend, don't, please don't be offended. Yes, they can be. But God never leaves them there. Because God has promised that all of His children will be taught of Him. As we have already seen just now, the Lord Jesus Christ had revealed that He was going to rise on the third day. Why did they not remember His teachings? Because that's the question that needs to be asked. They had been taught. They had been sent to preach. They had cast out demons. They had healed the sick. They had preached the gospel. People had been converted under their ministry. Why did they not remember at this moment about the resurrection? It's critical to the gospel. That's the question that needs to be asked. Well, first, my answer is this. They are still fairly new believers. Though they have walked with the Lord Jesus Christ for three years, plus or minus, they are still fairly new believers. They've come out of Judaism, and they have been with Him, and they have heard Him teach, but they're still thinking like Jews. They still think He's going to set up a physical kingdom. They still argue among themselves who's going to be the greatest among them. They still don't understand that He's going to die. They still don't understand that after He's buried, He's going to rise again. They've got a lot of garbage wrapped up in that brain of theirs. New believers carry much of their past religion into Christianity with them. And this goes on for some time. In fact, nearly every epistle has to address some errors in the thinking of Jews and Gentiles alike concerning the doctrine of God. And though repentance teaches us in our heart of hearts that our old religion was nothing but dung, this is what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, that thing that I was involved in that had nothing to do with Christ, that religious activity that I was involved in and had nothing to do with life, everlasting life, that's dung, that's refuse, that's trash. I want the reality of it. Repentance teaches us that. We turn our backs on our old religion and we come and embrace Jesus Christ as our Savior. We don't know what's ahead of us, but we know what's back there is not real. God taught us that when He drug us out of that cesspool of our religion. 
And so, with that kind of repentance, we leave, but we carry with us the, some of that old teaching. When Jesus cried, Christ entered into His ministry in what is called the Beatitudes. Beginning in Matthew 5, 6, 7, 6 and 7, those three chapters. In Matthew 5, verse 21, He introduces a subject by saying, You have heard. And the very next verse, He says, But I say unto you. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, introducing another subject, He says, You have heard that. And in verse 28, He says, But I say unto you. Verse 27, You have heard that it was said by them of old. This is what you've been taught. But I say unto you. In Matthew 5 and verse 31, speaking of another subject, He says, It hath been said, Verse 32, but I say unto you. What do we do with that? Most people get caught up in the subject that he's dealing with, and that's important. And they forget to look at how he introduced the subject. You have been taught this. You believe this. From a child in the synagogues, and when the, when the Old Testament was read, you have been taught this, but this is what is true. You believed a lie, but this is what is true. You've carried this with you into your Christianity. Get rid of it because this is what is true. The whole of our Christian life is that kind of a walk. I thought, and then I read. But I thought, and then I read. But Professor so and so said, and then I read. But my pastor said, and then I read. Because the final authority in what we believe and what we do is the Word of God. We learn, they learn, and we also learn to wrongly interpret the Scripture because we had listened to those in our past religion how they interpreted the Scriptures. My wife and I were converted and in an easy believism church. Okay, what do I know about Christianity? I raised Roman Catholic. What do I know about Christianity? Converted, and the first church we go to is this, and he's got a Bible degree. I don't. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to, and I'm learning. I'm thinking, that's not what God did to me. And then we'd read, and I wonder about this, and, but that's not how God saved me. And, and we had this spiritual struggle going on in our life. And then we'd say, well, Preacher, what about this verse? And he'd give us a definition and we'd say, ah, that don't ring true to me. But he's the guy with a degree. And then I was sent out of that church and out from underneath all those voices, sitting in my study with the Scriptures alone, without somebody telling me what it says and what it means. To study God's Word, just me and a King James Bible and a Strong's Concordance and the Spirit of God to teach me. 
I began to say, that's wrong. That's wrong. This is The Word of God teaches this. The Word of God... And I thought, oh my soul, I've been lied to again. I threw the whole mess out. I don't necessarily recommend that process, but for me, that was what needed to be done. There wasn't nothing that I was going to believe that came out of the mouth of that religion. And start all over. And find out if it was really true. You've heard some things, but Jesus Christ says some things. Which one are you going to believe? Which one are you going to believe? Whatever religion you were involved in, including humanism, before God saved you, you were trained to think in a certain way. You were trained to think in a certain way. You were trained to think that salvation was by works or you were trained to think this way or that way and you believed it because you trusted them. And then you get alone and you struggle with what is the Scripture saying? Listen, it is always important if you're going to grow in grace and knowledge to begin with this premise. This premise. God's way is not my way. That's what God said in the book of Isaiah. My way is not yours. And then once we get that settled, oh, and then we're going to have a battle against me because this is what I want and God because this is what He says. We come to grips with the fact that salvation is by grace and not by works. And we renounce that religion and we come embracing the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and we begin on a pathway of learning of who God is and what His ways are. And we spend the rest of our Christian life learning of who God is and what His ways are. We have to come to grips with such doctrines as the authority of Scripture. This is the overrolling authority in the life of a child of God. It is not what so-and-so says is true. It is what God says is true. And you would be surprised how many people say, I believe the Bible is the final authority, but I believe baptism is related to salvation. I believe the Bible is the final authority, but I believe if you go down in the waters and don't, and don't come up speaking in tongues, you're not saved. I believe the Bible is the final authority, but thus and thus and thus. I believe the Bible is a final authority, but my whole Catholic life was believe the Bible, but believe the Pope. My whole Catholic life. Well, the Bible says thus and thus, but the Pope said. We had a seven-month bout with Mormonism. Believe the Bible, but Joseph Smith and these other books Easy believism. Believe the Bible, but I have a Bible degree and this word repent, it actually doesn't mean that. This is the reason why, one of the reasons why they were in the position they were in on the day that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Remember, they were wanting Him to set up a physical kingdom. Even when He ascended 40 days later, they're still saying, is now the time? 
They still haven't grasped that it's spiritual, not physical. This is not for you to know these things. You preach the gospel to the nations. If you get all wrapped up in what God is doing instead of what God is teaching. Sometimes we do not learn the Word of God. We do not remember the Word of God because we are unwilling to submit to the Word of God. This is, a, this is a conflict even among those who profess to be saved, even among those who are genuine Christians. Let me read you a text. Take the notes if you're taking notes. Matthew 16, verses 21 through 23. Look at this. Matthew 16, 21 says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto His disciples how that He must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. Then Peter took Him and began to rebuke Him and saying, saying, Be it far from Thee, Lord, this shall not be unto Thee. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Now, we're talking about Peter. This man's already converted. But he doesn't understand some things at this point. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. Why? Because. For. Because. Why? Thou savorest the things, savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Sometimes we prefer what men want and will not submit ourselves to what God says. That's the great issue. Will you submit to what God says in the Scriptures? There is this constant battle. And in the lost that are sitting here before me, God calls you to repent and believe on Jesus Christ for salvation and that alone. And there's this resistance that's in the heart that says, i got my own life to live. I'm not going to submit to that. I'm not going to submit to that. Maybe sometime later, but I'm not going to submit to that, preacher. And that goes on in the lost. It sometimes goes on in the saints. Peter grabbing the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, no, you can't go to the cross. You can't die. I will not submit myself to what you just said. Wow. But we do it sometimes when we're faced with the Scriptures ourselves. Sometimes, in our ignorance, we're afraid to ask. And by not asking, we go along in our ignorance. Mark chapter 9, For He taught the disciples in verse 31, And said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill Him, and that he shall be, and after He shall be killed, He shall rise the third day. In verse 32, But they understood not the saying, and were afraid to ask. They were afraid to ask him. Preacher, I don't understand. Can you help me? <laughs> I can't say I don't understand because that makes me look like I'm not spiritual and you know I can't I can't be seen as being ignorant here. I gotta pretend like I understand some No. No. They were afraid to ask him. Don't be afraid. Ask. If you don't understand, ask. Ask God's people. They'll help you as much as they can. 
But go to the Lord and ask Him. God will teach you. Sometimes our hearts are occupied with other things. There's another reason why they couldn't believe that day. Occupied with other things. Jesus rebuked him. Mark, uh, Luke 24, 25, Then said He unto them, O fools, and slow of heart, to believe all the prophets had spoken. Slow of heart. What is that? They were sluggish. They were, they were dull of hearing. They, were, they, were, they didn't stop and give serious, thoughtful consideration to what was going on before them. It, it, it shook them to the core of their soul that Jesus was dying. They didn't stop and get alone and think about what He had been saying to them for three years. They didn't stop and meditate on the Scriptures. They were just shaken to their core. And then couldn't believe. Wouldn't believe. They were slow of heart to hear what was the truth. And because of that, their anxiety and fear and tears lingered on for a while. But more than that was going on in their heart. That slowness of heart, that sluggishness, that spiritual sluggishness produced a hardness of heart. Mark chapter 16 and verse 14. Afterward, He appeared unto the eleven and, or as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Mark 16 verse 14. Because they believed not them which had been seen Him after He was risen. Now the phrase hardness of heart here refers to a child of God. There is a hardness of heart to a child, to a sinner that only God can break through. But sometimes a child of God believes things, understands things, and when something is presented to them that is contrary to that, they harden themselves against it. They don't want to believe it. They can't believe it. And this is what's going on in their heart. There's a hardness going on here. In the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, the hearts of His disciples and His followers had been melted to tears. Moved to great emotions. Unbelief. We thought this was Messiah. Grief over His death. Fear. What will the Jews do to us? We're His followers. All of those emotions all mixed up together. Yet in all that, their hearts had also become hardened toward the truth of God's Word. Those two things going on at exactly the same time. It's hard to grasp, isn't it? That such tender hearts can be hardened toward truth at the very same time that the eyes are shedding tears. Yet that's what is going on. And so they had yet to believe the Scriptures. The last thing about them not believing is that sometimes God hides things from His people for a while until it is time to reveal it to them. Why does God do that? 
Why does God hide certain truths from His own children at certain times? The reason for that is when we come into a situation where we need to understand the Scriptures, we go to Him for it. Our hearts are before His throne. Teach me, Lord. Help me to understand what's going on. Open the Scriptures to me so I know what's going on in this situation here. And what we read here is that there is a place and time, a time and place when God will hide things for a while. Listen to Luke 18, verse 32 through 34. For He shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on. Verse 33, Luke 18. And they shall scourge him, put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. Verse 34. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. What he had just got through saying to them, he hid. Now that's not God being mean. That's God fulfilling every purpose under heaven in the life of His children. When things are hidden from us, when we do not see them, we don't understand them, we don't remember them, in that kind of a situation, we pray. How many times... Children of God, have you been sitting before a person, maybe they're lost or maybe they're a weak Christian, and you're, and you're trying to instruct them from the Scripture, and all of a sudden, inside, you're thinking, what is that verse? <laughs> and you're praying, Lord, help me because I don't know where it's at, and I need to know because that's what they need to hear. How many times has that happened? Well, if it hasn't happened, it will happen. Or you're praying and you're thinking about something and all of a sudden, blank. Or you're in the middle of preaching and you're thinking, wow, I need to remember that. And you get up from services and what was I supposed to remember? (laughs) What do you do in that situation, child of God? Lord, right? Lord, help me. So David prays, Lord, he says, Psalm 119, 18, Open thou mine eyes. Why? Why does he pray that? Open thou mine eyes. He's a believer. He's a follower of the true and living God. Why does he have to pray God open his eyes? His eyes are open to salvation. Why is he having to pray that way? Well, the rest of the scripture says that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I don't see all I need to see in the Scriptures. And I need you to open my eyes to what I need to see in the Scriptures. Psalm 25, verse 4, Show me thy way, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. God opened the eyes of the disciples in Luke chapter 24 and gave them understanding from Moses and all the prophets that he should die, that he was to be buried, that he rose again on the third day, and then he said, you take this message to the nations. You preach that the nations should repent and believe the gospel message. 
That was, by the way, only a few days after they had not understood the resurrection. They didn't write them off. He didn't rebuke them strongly. He did reprove them. He did uh, instruct them concerning the hardness of their heart. But these are his disciples. This is his church. And so what does he do? He opens their eyes and gives them understanding. Are you lost this morning? You're not a Christian? If so, seek the Lord's help. Who is the only one who can save a sinner? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can. Ask Him. You don't understand some things about it? Lord, I don't understand. Help me to understand. I, I want to be a Christian. I want to be a follower. But I don't understand. Help me to understand. There's nothing wrong with that kind of a prayer. Seek the Lord while He may be found, the Scripture says. You're lost. You, you don't understand some things. You read the Scriptures. It doesn't make any sense to you. Ask God to help you to understand. He's the one that gives understanding. Are you saved? Christian, follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? You don't understand something? I, I, the last two Tuesday Bible studies we've had here, I've been dealing with the, the text out of Ephesians 4, verse 5. One baptism. One baptism, believer's baptism, and what does that mean? And uh, Tuesday and uh, Thursday, on those two days, one of the men that was in the Bible said, Brother Pat, he answered a lot of questions for me. I need to be baptized. Goes to another church. Gonna have to deal with his pastor about those things. I need to be baptized. God gives understanding. I've known this man for two, three years now. He didn't understand that a believer needed to be baptized. There's a lot of people who are believers that don't understand some things. Help them. And if you're in that condition this morning, you're saved. God will help you. God will teach you. Ask Him. Ask Him. Let's pray together.